With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello again, everybody. Time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, we were a pretty down group of uh, Buckeyes this time last week when we convened following the game. But we knew uh, that, uh, you know, the, the Dumb and Dumber meme still existed. So you're telling me there's a chance. And that chance happened as Ohio State will now be playing in the Peach Bowl against the Georgia Bulldogs as the four seed in the college football playoff this year after an absolute beatdown that Utah put on USC last Friday night. And uh, (laughs) TCU also lost, but that was just a little bit more icing on the cake as the Buckeyes are are in. And um, maybe not all is, uh, is terrible. Absolutely. You're right. The the dumb and dumb dumber meme about so you're telling me there's a chance. My mood brightened considerably from the last time that we recorded through I, I'm just gonna say the early morning hours of Saturday because you know, staying up, uh watching that game in its entirety. And uh, you know, I know we're gonna talk about it in greater detail, but going to bed in the early morning of you know Saturday. Uh, feeling much, much, much better than I did, you know, earlier in the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I watched the game on Friday. I don't know if you did as well. I did. Absolutely. Okay. And what I saw in that game is kind of what I've seen from USC much of the season in that, um, Caleb Williams hurt his hamstring in this game. He was b- banged up a bit and wasn't at full capacity. And to me all year, this looked like a team that was surviving on individual plays made by Caleb Williams that was masking about a six and six or seven and five team. And, and that's kind of how they played against Utah that you remember the first time they played Utah, Utah barely beat them. And, but I've seen this team kind of escape some some teams they should have beaten badly if they were really worthy of their high ranking uh, this year. And I, I know that Ohio state's had some close games as well, but it means not like what USC has had. And there's really no defense in the Pac-12 to speak of whatsoever outside of Utah. So 
that's kind of what I expected to see was that if Utah could get some stops, they could absolutely win the game. And once Caleb Williams wasn't a hundred percent and wasn't taking off with the ball, like he normally does, that really played into Utah's hands and they really didn't seem to struggle at all against USC after that. So speaking of the defense a week ago at this time, we were questioning the coaching acumen of Ryan day and the, the game plan and, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said about USC, probably that Caleb Williams was the main reason why they were even at the threshold of possibly earning a college football playoff berth, you know, in and um getting back to the coaching thing, I'm I, I'm not I'm not advocating for somebody to lose their job, but Alex Grinch and the defensive performance or lack thereof a little bit more accurately i think if i was a usc fan that would be you know you you talked about how you know the the talent level i mean like the the talent level and the coaching especially on the defensive side of the ball was absolutely atrocious for usc it was and and his defense this year uh has really benefited from some incredible fortune in terms of turnovers this year. USC has a ton of takeaways. Some of them forced, some of them just, they just happened. So without those, I would shudder to think where you USC might even be um, record wise without some of those extra possessions that, that were gifted to them. So, you know, USC was always going to be a work in progress, but Caleb Williams sort of masked, like I said, masked a lot of problems that USC had and allowed them to be in the conversation. And if they would have beaten Utah, they would be in the in the final four and be in the college football playoff probably. So now they're not. And and what was annoying about Friday night was, you know, everyone went into that game knowing that if USC lost, Ohio State was back in the conversation. And yet when USC fell behind, the amount of whining and saltiness on the part of uh, so many college football pundits across the country was, it was insane. And, and it was, I, I can't say that it was unexpected really, but the whining about USC having to quote unquote, play an extra game and being penalized for it. They weren't being penalized for playing an extra game. They were being penalized for losing it badly to a three loss team for the second time this year. And if you looked at the body of work, and just shut up about the championship games because not all conferences have things set up the same way. If Ohio State was in a conference without divisions, Ohio State would have been playing this weekend. That's not a, that's not Ohio State's fault. So it, it was annoying and really silly on a lot of people's parts. And if you really go through the season game by game and look what Ohio State did and look what USC did against not as good competition didn't have as good a wins didn't have or had worse loss a worse loss than Ohio State and more losses than Ohio State I don't see how you're whining about it oh I agree I I think there's just a I I found it I found it very annoying that the idea that Ohio State uh I believe it was um it wasn't Chris Fowler um the ESPN analyst who was who was very poorly trying to make the argument about how Ohio State 
uh, was always getting the, the the benefit in comparison to Alabama. Uh, you know, like and being placed into the playoffs, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, I, I don't see how that was even, even uttered. Uh, you know, and again, you know, I think that let's face it, you know, Alabama, the talent is there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the expectation is there. You know, Nick Saban, just because he didn't qualify for the playoffs this year, does not knock him from the perch as being college football's best coach. Uh, you know, this is just an off year. They sometimes happen. The, sometimes the talent doesn't mesh. And, you know, from, from the onset of the season, quite frankly, Alabama struggled in games. I mean, they they won against Texas, but very controversially. They struggled in their, their wins. They lost, granted, you know, in, in the last seconds, but they had two losses. And I, if there was an analyst that I was actually happy about, uh, he didn't have a, nearly as loud of a, a microphone or a platform. But watching it halftime on Saturday afternoon was former LSU defensive lineman Booger McFarland, who summarized it very succinctly. Ohio State has one loss and Alabama has two. And for an SEC defensive lineman who you know again you know i would have figured this was his opportunity to jump on the bandwagon i i was grateful to him for speaking up for ohio state and you know getting back to you know like the friday night i i don't know how anyone could have been watching that game especially now you know usc being up 17 to 3 and utah slowly but surely getting back into that game by just physically pounding on USC. So at the half, I, I I had no doubt in my mind that that game that was it was already starting to swing in Utah's favor. Well, a, a lot of people freaked out early, but as you know, I I stay up late and I watch the West Coast games a lot. I've seen USC quite a uh, Utah and USC quite a bit this year. I'm not surprised Utah started slowly. This is not this is not a new thing for them. Utah starts slowly in a lot of games this year, so. For them to fall behind, my thought was just if they can keep this within two scores, then when they finally get things going, they'll be fine. And that's exactly what happened. They hung around until they got things figured out, figured out they could move the ball and made some plays. And Cameron Rising made some plays. And from that point on there, there was no issue. But uh, yeah, the the amount of of just... It, it was just ludicrous the amount of crying and and whining there was, uh, whether you're talking about Ohio State against USC or Ohio State against Alabama. But as you mentioned, uh, don't lose two games if you're <laughs> if you want to be in the conversation. They haven't had a two loss team in yet, so don't lose two games and then play other games very very closely. And I want to commend because we're not used to getting the benefit of certain parties. And one of those parties has been in the past, the chairman of the college football playoff committee. But in this case, it was one of the few people who actually pointed out to, to everyone crying about the lopsided home loss to Michigan, that that was a one score game into the fourth quarter. It mm-hmm. got, a, the score got away a little bit at the end, but if you actually watch the game, it was not a blowout until the final, what, three and a half minutes. Right. I mean, it was, what 31 23 
and all of the, I mean, it was one of the things that we talked about last week on, on this podcast was, okay, kicking the field goal versus trying for the touchdown. Mm -hmm. You're still down, you know, you're still down a touchdown and a two point conversion, but there was still, I mean, there was, I want to say, you know, it was, you know, on the next possession when, okay, when, when Michigan scored the first of their, their long touchdown runs Mm -hmm. where I felt, okay, Ohio state, all right, this is not looking good. This is more than likely out of reach, Mm -hmm. but to your point, no, I mean, they were not blown out. I mean, it was not a thing where, okay, Ohio state was out of that game. In contrast, the, the USC and Utah game, you could see physically that, you know, I'd say, well, you know, like in, in comparison, the time remaining on the clock, Utah had that game well in command. Yeah. Yeah. But in the middle of the third quarter, I didn't even think it was a game anymore. So, right. Uh, and, and, you know, people will, will say, well, you know, Caleb Williams was hurt. Well, Travion Henderson was hurt. Jackson Smith and Jigba was hurt. Mayan Williams. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about Jackson Smith in greater detail too. (laughs) I mean, I mean, you can't every, I mean, that's just part of the game. I mean, people get hurt, right? Nobody, nobody coddled Ohio state when, when CJ Stroud played hurt last year against Oregon and lost that game. Right. So it's, uh, it's part of the game and, and you, you play the guys you have and, and that's the way it is. I mean, Alabama had some struggles too this year with some injuries. It's, it's part of it. So um, we'll see how it goes. But at this point, we know that Ohio State is playing Georgia in um, in Atlanta because this will, and this will be their third game in Atlanta this year. So, uh, you know, not a home game, but a home game for Georgia in the Peach Bowl. And that will be December 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And so if there's a lot of passing in this game, um, you know, make peace with the fact that you're not going to be watching the ball drop, I guess. Right. I'm just going to ask, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to think negatively of you. If the answer is no, since you're closer to that, that area, are you going to try and, and head up to Atlanta or are you just going to stay at, stay at home and, and watch the game? Well, I looked at the tickets online yesterday and the cheapest single I could find was North of three hundred dollars, north of three hundred thirty-five dollars. So uh, that kind of priced me out, um, and that was the only one. And that was like if I snapped that up because the next lowest price was over four hundred dollars, and all of that, of course, was well into the upper deck. If you wanted anything in the first couple levels, you're talking four figures, and and in some cases, very high four figures. So I don't know how people do this. And if their team wins, I especially don't know how they then go on to the championship game. Well, I'm glad you brought that point up because that's been my bone of contention with the eventual 12 team college football playoff, which we have, and I'm excited about it. Don't get me wrong in two years. Um, But the, the logic of, well, fans are, you know, for the, you know, you know, the, the first four, uh, the top four teams, uh, they get a buy, and then, you know, like that second round is going to be at a play at a at a bowl game site, and then, you know, like then then it'll go on to another bowl game site, and it's like there's no way, there's just absolutely no way that the average fan, I, I would say even I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase what I just said, I'm gonna say even a wealthy fan is going to be able to shell out 
like you just said, three, $400 a pop for a, a ticket and do it repeatedly, not counting hotels, airfare, food, all the other things. And that's why, why it, in my estimation, I think what will happen is probably not even the length of the contract is they're going to try this and they're going to see when the fans like, you know, like, let's just say like being the optimistic Ohio state fans that we are that, you know, when, when you and I win the lottery, of course, we'll be like, okay, you know, absolutely. It's like, I want to go see Ohio state play in the national championship game, but we're going to bypass these other bowl games. And I think when they start to, when the bowl games start to see, Nobody is coming because of the fact that people are holding up in the national championship game. They're going to move the they're going to move the games back onto campus, which is what the the way it should be. I mean, the one of the projections that they had is that the game, uh, you know, Ohio State not being a conference champion, they would be hosting a bowl game. Uh, I think it would be like the weekend of like December twenty first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I to me, that's 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 what it should be. Is that the games should be on the college sites, just like they normally are during Saturdays. And, you know, yeah, I mean, we've, we've all been wanting this. I mean, I can tell you right now that it's a balmy 40 degrees as, as we're recording this, you know, like who wouldn't want to see Ohio state playing Clemson or Alabama or Tulsa in Ohio stadium on, you know, whatever that December day would be. That's that to me is what these games need to be is they need to be on campus sites, not at, at bowl game sites. Yeah, I believe that the um, format that they've discussed would put Penn State at Ohio Stadium for this, uh, if, if if that were in effect this year. So, you know, they're used to cold weather, and you know, right. I mean, that would be the marquee matchup of that round of the playoffs if you looked at the other the other uh, games. But um, yeah, so Ohio State is going to the Peach Bowl and. And are you surprised, Chip, that with the loss on Saturday that TCU didn't slip to four? The the committee said they didn't they didn't have any discussion whatsoever about avoiding a rematch. But I mean, that's gotta be garbage. That's gotta be just an out and out lie. I mean, of course they thought of it. I personally I am surprised. Uh for and this is you know, not that not that we as Ohio state or big 10 fans have been spared this before. I really thought that the college football playoff committee was going to say, you know, if we put Ohio state and Michigan in the first game, what will happen is for sure we'll get one big 10 team, but there's the, I mean, I, I realize Ohio state is the underdog to Georgia and I understand that. Um, and we'll talk about that game, obviously, in greater detail. Uh, but uh, I do believe, you know, like it, it was it was surprising to me because I really thought that they were going to try to use that as a justification to avoid having a, a potentially an all Big Ten national championship game. Um, one of the things that I I respected you're talking about the, the chairman coming out um, as related to TCU was. They they mentioned the, the strength of uh, strength of schedule component, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that TCU did lose in overtime um, 
you know, and in comparison to what you and I have been talking about with like the USC game, like that game actually was like a back and forth mm-hmm. kind of an, an of an affair. So I'm happy TCU made it, but I am surprised that that they did not put Ohio State, Michigan, two and three, um, you know, and then you know have Georgia playing TCU. Regardless, I think in TCU, I, I'm glad that they got in, and uh, you know, I I'm highly skeptical of their chances against Michigan, but. I've been wrong before. This could be the best thing that's happened to Michigan because um, Ohio State, Georgia is bound to have a, an effect on the winner of that game. And I don't I don't anticipate. I mean, obviously, they still have to play the game and TCU has been surprising. But I don't see TCU beating any of the other three teams. No, I, I certainly I mean. You know, again, all the credit to TCU. They battled against Kansas State, uh, took it into overtime, like we've been discussing. But on a, I guess you, I, I'm just going to say on a physicality scale. And I realize, you know, a lot of people are kind of questioning Ohio State along those lines. But, uh, you know, what I saw from TCU. And I, I will defer to you because again, I think you 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 may have seen TCU play more this this season than I certainly have. Is I don't see how they match up against you know their their opponent uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, Michigan. And certainly, if they were to if they were to pull the upset uh, of the Wolverines, how they would match up physically against Georgia or Ohio State. Yeah. Well, I mean, TCU's been doing it and and finding ways, and that's. That's part of it. I mean, that's a Cinderella season. That's what Cinderella season's all about. But I mean, they just lost to a Kansas State team that had already three losses going into that game. Was playing a backup quarterback, as you remember, that the starting quarterback for them was the former Nebraska quarterback. And so they still lost the game to a team I think is pretty average, but people seem to be up on the Big 12 this year. Um, I, I don't know that I'm up on the Big 12. I think the big name teams just took steps backwards and it made it everybody else seem better. That's that's a valid observation. I I, I mean, when you think about it, you know, we every year the, the the battle cry, you know, from from Ohio State fans is this is the year of the tight end. Well, every year down in the Big 12, uh, Texas is back, mm-hmm. and Texas. Now, granted, they're they're in a bowl game, but Texas is not back. Uh, Texas, you know, again they they you know, did not do as well, you know, considering all of the hype and hoopla, Oklahoma took several steps back. Yep. I mean, Oklahoma finished six and six. So to your point, the idea of, okay, well, the big 12, you know, represented themselves. Well, I think, I think it's a valid observation. I think that Kansas state, I think they're, they think they're a good team. I don't think they're, they're not a great team. Um, and TCU, Let's face it. I think that they are, um, you know, the fact that again they lost in overtime, but they were, I mean, I, you know, they were rather fortunate in a number of circumstances. That, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking, like a last second uh, win against Baylor comes to mind. You know, in recent weeks, you know, and and a number, you know, see, what I'm saying. So I'm not trying to take away from the fact that, yeah, I think that they were deserving of their playoff spot. I'm skeptical of their ability to get beyond the first game. Yeah. 
Um, you're, you're right on about Oklahoma. They were not good this year. Uh, Texas was fairly average this year and Oklahoma state took a step backwards this year. Mm -hmm. So those were, those were the top teams. And now, I mean, did suddenly everyone else get good all of a sudden, um, and Baylor, they took a step backwards. So yes, they did. Is Texas tech suddenly that much better or did they just, were they a recipient of everyone else coming down a couple of notches and the same thing with TCU. And I, I think it's, it's probably that Kansas too. Kansas had a, ended up having a halfway decent season and becoming bowl eligible. And how does that happen? <laughs> does that <laughs> happen when, the, if the big 12 is really good. Right. I mean, I, again, very good points all throughout, uh, you know, like it, it certainly seemed, I mean, we joked about with the big 10 West, um, when it came to, you know, like, does anyone want to win this, mm-hmm. you know, until TCU later on in the season, okay. That they didn't have any losses, but it certainly seemed as though, okay. Like, you know, like Oklahoma state or Kansas, or, you know, like it was kind of like, there was like a flavor of the week that kind of, you know, with, with, with it, uh, within the big 12, you know, and, and again, you know, TCU and Kansas state, they emerged, but to your point, I don't necessarily think that they were juggernauts as much as, they were probably the best teams of a, I'll, I'll just say a kind of a mediocre conference. I think it was week eight before anybody outside the state of Texas knew that TCU was still undefeated. There you go. And I saw it speaking of speaking of the state of Texas for all of the hype and hoopla that Texas gets um, for all of the money that Texas A&M has invested in Jimbo Fisher and and their recruiting class from last year that seems to now, you know, be taking advantage of the transfer portal. Um, I saw a tweet that TCU is the first team from the state of Texas to qualify for the college football playoff. Think about it. You know, like all of the, you know, we talk about every, you know, every year in terms of like all the, the hype around certain teams, TCU slowly, you know, slowly kind of snuck in you know, as being that team from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. A&M was a mess. Um, is, is Jimbo the Southern Kirk Ferentz? <laughs> like it's just unfireable. So, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, those, uh, those pockets are pretty deep, uh, but that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good analogy. Uh, you know, Jimbo, I mean, the, I'm sure that those, that those people who, um, you know, contributed to that, highly ranked i mean they had the top ranked recruiting class uh last year and already a number of their talented players have said thanks but we're out of here um and that i may be mistaken on the dollar amount but i want to say i i may have read something about if they were to fire him i mean that's an 84 million dollar buyout so so um yeah i mean he could be i mean he could be ferentz like yeah all right. Well, we're going to have a, a few shows here between now and the big game. And certainly it's going to be a very difficult test for Ohio State. It's going to be even a, a more difficult test than Michigan. First of all, it's at, not at home. And Georgia, to me, over the past month, with the exception of a, of a really curious performance in the Georgia Tech game, they have looked like they're two touchdowns better than everyone else in college football to me. So 
this is this is huge. And if Ohio State does so- somehow manage to win that game, then they're rewarded with a team that's beaten them badly. Uh, you know, in terms of final score, two times in a row, and um, probably have been in a war, and you're going to have to to go into that a lot more beat up than Michigan. I agree. Uh, you know, this is you know any way you slice it. I mean, you know, Georgia. You know, physically, you know, you know, watching them on Saturday afternoon. Uh, as well as, you know, other times throughout the year. I mean, physically, I mean, like they are very, very impressive. Uh, it's going to require <laughs> a much more aggressive game plan than we have seen from Ryan Day, uh, you know, in the latter portion of the season. And maybe I, I guess you could say as you look back on this year, uh, because it's, you know, the, the the field goals aren't going to cut it. I mean, it, it's going to be, you're going to have to score touchdowns abundantly uh, to withstand just the, the physical nature of what this game is going to be for 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously a little hope there. An LSU team with a very, very banged up quarterback still managed to put 30 points on the Georgia defense. So there's, there's some hopes that you can put some points on the board if everybody executes. Uh, but again, stopping the Georgia offense has been difficult and stopping Georgia's defense from making plays that turn into points also has been a problem. They, even when they have games where they give up points, they're still just one play away from having a defensive score. They also scored a, a special teams touchdown this weekend when everyone on the LSU field goal team has forgot the rules of football and just walked off the field while Georgia picked up a blocked field goal and ran down for a touchdown. So yeah, uh, one of the things you want to do when you play sports is know the rules to those sports. And uh, I think it would have, it would have probably helped LSU stay in that game a little longer. Might have. I, I, yeah, I, the, the, the play that you're referencing, you know, early on in the game. And again, it was mind boggling that LSU didn't, because that's what I was, I you know, you know, the the camera angle, you know, that that play, all right. So it was blocked, and so for a while, I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, like, well, where's the ball? You know, because it's just one of these things where, you know, it's you know, like nobody was, you know, that the camera wasn't, you know, going after like it normally would, you know, on a field goal block. And then next thing you know, like, then they were showing the ball and the, and the Georgia defender just hovering over it thinking like, okay, is somebody going to come here or not? And then, and then when he picked it up and, and some of his teammates, to be fair, were kind of nonchalantly like walking off the field and then all of a sudden it dawned on, Oh yeah, that's a live ball. You yeah. It score. looked like, it looked like <laughs> he was looking at the sideline. Like, should I pick it up? Is this, is yeah. It okay? <laughs> you know, do I have yeah. And uh, I, yeah. know, as soon as it was blocked, I thought, well, where, where'd it go? And you right. got to go make sure that it's dead. And nobody did that. And I mean, did nobody realize that a whistle hadn't blown? I know that's what, again, you know, like now granted, Crazy. you know, LSU, they were able to, like you said, put 30 points on the board. Um, but I mean, it was, I, I kind of felt that they went into that game somewhat scared. Like they kind of, I mean, like that. I think that they knew. All right, well, the odds makers have us as decided underdogs. Like you said, like their quarterback wasn't a hundred percent. Yeah, he couldn't uh, really know, run the way he normally. Right. Runs. So 
you know, I kind of felt, especially at the at the, the very beginning, it certainly seemed that LSU was playing tentatively, and then they seemed to kind of get a little bit more confidence. But yeah, Georgia, I mean, then all of a sudden Georgia turned it on and never looked back. All right. Well, it's important to get off to a good start, but we'll talk about Ohio State and Georgia plenty in the next few weeks. But uh, we got a lot more to get to, including uh, some uh, C.J. Stroud news, some Jackson Smith and Jigba news, some news with the coaching staff and the transfer portal, all of that to get to. And we're going to do that right after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back, Chip. And why don't we talk about the first question that everyone had when it was apparent that Ohio State wasn't going to go to an exhibition bowl game and instead was going to the college football playoff, and that is, will Jackson Smith and Jigba play in this game or not? And that question was posed to Ryan Day on Sunday during the selection show, and as soon as Ryan Day answered the question the way he did, I knew we were not going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba in the college football playoff because Ryan Day said, well, that's something that we'll decide in the next few days. No, that's something that you would have already known on Sunday. That's that's not something that you would talk about for a few days and then come back with a response. And as it happened, it only took one day for the uh, announcement to come that Jackson Smith and Jigba will not be able to participate in the college football playoff. And I want to s- state for the record, there's a reason that I said it that way. He will not be able to. Uh, there's been a lot of just garbage on social media roasting this kid for quitting on his team and only thinking about himself because, you know, you, you come back not a hundred percent against Toledo because you're only thinking about yourself, right? Exactly. And I think you're being polite when you say a lot of the things that you've read on social media is garbage. I I think, I mean, that's, we're a family friendly show, (laughs) Uh, but uh I, I must confess, uh, you know, getting back to yesterday with Ryan Day's statement, something, something that you said, is that yesterday afternoon, you know, my, just to, to put everything in context, my, I don't want to say my day, but like my afternoon, the early part of the afternoon was built around the official announcement that, yes, Ohio State is in the college football playoff, mm-hmm. seeing the, the seating that we've already discussed and, okay. So I know, all right, Ohio State's playing Georgia, and 
then I, and I'm sure you're going to be quite envious, uh, you know, like as far as it was a sunny day and it was a, you know, like balmy 30 degrees yesterday. <laughs> so I, I voluntold one of my sons that he needed to come out and help me with the remaining leaves that were still on the ground that needed to be dragged out to our tree lawn. So the reason I'm, I'm sharing this with you as well as our podcast listeners is I didn't actually hear the, the, the press conference until well after the fact, mm-hmm. but to your bigger point that absolutely you, as soon as I read that, okay, immediately I'm like, okay, that means he's, he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. So getting back to today, the official announcement by Jackson Smith and Jigba that he is not able and he has discussed this, you know, in great detail with his doctors. I have no problem with the decision that was made because again, this is, you know, this is in his long-term best interest for medical reasons, not to participate. This is not being selfish. This is not being, you know, uh, so concerned, you know, like so self-absorbed that he he doesn't want to help his team. It's that okay, this is medically, this is the best thing for him to do is to not participate in this game. Yeah. Let me read his statement because he put out a, a statement uh today. It says, Dear Buckeye Nation, as a young kid from Texas, I've always dreamed of playing football on the biggest stage. It's humbling to think that I eventually did play not only on the biggest stage in college football but also surrounded by the best group of people, my teammates, coaches, training staff, coach mix, whole team, students, professors, tutors, chefs, Buckeye nation, of course, the best damn band in the land, everyone in the Woody, along with those that always pushed me to be great. Thank you for being part of my life, turning into people I'll call family forever. Most of all, I want to thank God for giving me strength. Leaning on him has always been my answer and he has not failed me yet because I know I'll come out stronger than ever. I've always appreciated the challenge of growing mentally and physically to be the best player and teammate possible on and off the field. Being there for my brothers means everything to me. Having the opportunity to do that these past three years has been an honor and life-changing. It's something I will hold deeply in my heart forever. I did everything possible to put myself in a position to get back on the field multiple times this year. I wanted it as much, if not more, than anyone else. After consulting with my doctors, it has been determined that I will not be able to participate in the playoffs. Having prayed on it with my family, I've decided to focus on getting 100% healthy and commit to my training for the next chapter in my football journey. I am officially declaring for the 2023 NFL Draft. My love for Columbus, Ohio, and the Buckeyes is everlasting, and I'm excited to cheer them on as we make our run this year and in the years to come. Love y'all, Buckeye Nation. OH, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. So, um... I see where people are getting the, oh, he made this decision from, Uh, because the the line below where he talks about talking to his doctors, he does mention that he made the decision to focus on, on the draft. But if your doctors are saying, look, if you go out and play, you might make it through the game. You might not. In the position that he's in, you can't possibly go out and risk it. I mean, you, you look what he did in midseason, and and I know there are a lot of Twitter doctors and Facebook doctors out there. You apparently <laughs> you just need a phone to to get a doctorate nowadays. But I have covered sports for a long time. I have seen hamstrings get pulled that look terrible. That where the guys on the field the next week 
I've seen the guy just barely limp and be out six months. Not everybody responds the same. There are different levels of, of pain tolerance. There's different level of, of ways you can strain or tear a muscle. And a lot of times I've also seen people lose more time because they, they chose the route that they thought would be best for them, which is to say that a lot of times a doctor will say, look, we can repair this with surgery and you're out for two months or you can rehab it and you might be able to get on the field in three weeks. If you're a kid, you know, age 18 to 21, which one are you going to take? You're going to be out two months or are you going to roll the dice on the three weeks? Exactly. I, I mean, it, I always, I just, I go back to the fact and I realize that he, he played, you know, for that team up North, um, all, you know, all kidding aside, but like Jake, Butt, um, he played in now granted it wasn't a playoff game, but he, he played in a bowl game that ended up costing him his NFL career. I mean, he had suffered a terrible knee injury that, yeah, he was selected, but he never ever really made a mark in the NFL. And now he's a, uh, you know, he's on the Big Ten Network as you know as an analyst, and and I'm sure he's he's content with the fact that you know he's doing that. He's still involved in the game. But the larger point is, is that when it comes to these kind of injuries, and to your point, that this is the kind of thing where it it has been since he tried to come back mid-season and re-aggravated it i don't blame him at all i really don't and anyone like you said who is a you know just to kind of borrow your phrase like a twitter or facebook doctor ask yourself if that was your son or if that was your younger brother or anything you know like if you know if you would would be casting judgment in the same manner or fashion that you know that's why it's it's not our decision to make i have nothing but the highest respect for jackson smith and jigba for not only uh everything he accomplished on the field for ohio state i wish it would have been more but i'm grateful for that statement he put out that he acknowledged all of the all of the people who have helped him get to the point where he is in his life and in his career yeah uh the last thing memory will have is that Rose Bowl performance. Uh, he was amazing. Um, yeah, it's sad when you have a, a guy that talented that, you know, ends up not being able to perform his senior year or his, or his last year, uh, of college. We went through this with Nick Bosa. We, we didn't really get the full Braxton Miller experience his, right. his last year. So, this has happened before. Uh, even Chase Young didn't play the full season his last year in Columbus. He he had some injuries along the way. So it has happened before. None of us are privy to Jackson Smith and Jigba's medical records or his conversations with his doctors. And yet so many people online are quick to make a judgment uh, and about a kid's character. And it's 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 just, it's disgusting when a normal person does it, but when national pundits, some of the, the same ones that complained about Ohio state getting in on Friday night, uh, there's a, a guy who used to be a quarterback at a Southern school. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to, to say his name, 
but uh, because he's just not worth giving the attention to, but he was one of those people. And it's just like, I, I don't understand how this person has, has personally wronged you, how the university has wronged you, but you're taking this way too personally. And I, I don't get it. We don't character assassinate for no reason. And that's what people are doing. I find it distasteful. Uh, I'm going to take him at his word and, and at face value. And even if he wasn't hurt and was a hundred percent healthy and made this choice, I would still support that choice. And from a team perspective, do you want someone who hasn't been on the field all season long to mess up the chemistry of what has been working all season long? I mean, that's a whole other, other aspect that people aren't even thinking about is that when Jackson Smith and Jigba tried to make his comeback earlier this year, I saw a lot of people on Twitter remarking about how Ohio State was forcing the ball into him. Do you think that would have been any different against Georgia? Not at all. Not at all. And I, again, I, I appreciate everything you said, uh, not to make you feel old, but I, when you were talking about other players, another one that, you know, it was, we really didn't get a chance to see. I, I'm thinking of Keith Byers, Byers you know, yeah. Keith Byers had, you know, he, you know, he was the, was a favorite to win the Heisman trophy going into what would have been his senior year because that was back in the day should have been a second right i know it should have been it should have been but you know you know back then there was no uh, early declaration for the nfl Mm -hmm. and so keith byers we never got a chance to see him so i mean you know i'm not gonna you know repeat the the name you know because i was sitting here nodding along i'm thinking yeah i mean it's exactly right like this is kind of a unfortunately a familiar theme that Ohio State fans like you and I are familiar with. Um, but uh, you know, as far as what you said, you know, in terms of you know taking Jackson Smith and Jigba at his word, I completely agree with you. And again, you know, it's not it's not our decision to make. That to me, I, you know, it what not only is it was it distasteful what other people and national pundits were saying, but you know, so-called, and I'm going to use that term, so-called Ohio State fans attacking Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, you're 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 calling yourself a fan of the team. All right, now you're attacking this kid because you know for medical reasons and/or personal reasons he's not playing. And you know, you this is you know, like, do you feel like Jackson Smith and Jigba needs to be at your beck and call for you know possibly? injuring himself permanently. I, I don't understand what, what the logic is behind that. Yeah. But um, we wish him well, obviously it's going to be fun to watch him on Sundays. Uh, I hope he is uh, not like uh, Garrett Wilson in that. I hope he does not go to the jets because I hate the jets and I hate watching Garrett Wilson do all these good things for the jets. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's another player that will go to the NFL and and be one of those guys that Brian Hartline says, look, all of these guys played at Ohio State. So that next crop comes in. I mean, Ohio State's not hurting for wide receiver talent. They're just absolutely not. And and I think they can win with the guys they got. Yes, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a great player, but so is Marvin Harrison Jr. So is Emeka Ibuka. 
Uh, Julian Fleming has made plays. Uh, they got Xavier Johnson. They got guys that can make plays. So I, I think they're okay in that department. And we wish Jackson Smith and Jigba could play, but since he's not, and he's made that known and it's clear, there's not going to be any, will he, won't he, you know, going into this game. We know in in advance, we have plenty of times to come to grip with it. Uh, plenty of time to come to grip with it. And we will, and we wish him well. Kevin Wilson, Chip, the offensive coordinator from the Ohio State University, reportedly on his way to Tulsa to become head coach after nine years with the Buckeyes. This, as of the time you and I jumped on, I didn't see anything official from the school, but it has been widely reported by a lot of very reputable uh, writers and details are even coming out like that it's going to be a five-year deal. So I think we can count on the fact that this is probably happening very, very, very soon. Uh, probably even by the time this podcast drops, Kevin Wilson will be named the next Tulsa head coach. The question is, will he stay on and help prepare for the college football playoff? Uh, or will this be something that Ohio State needs to deal with in preparation for Georgia? Very good point. I never thought about it that way. My Since you, since you posed that question, my belief and maybe I'm completely wrong, is that I would, if if I was Ryan Day, I would actually prefer for Kevin Wilson to not be involved for the simple reason, for the simple reason that Kevin Wilson, for all of, and I'm not saying that he would, that he would, you know, not give uh, Ohio State a, a decent effort, but Let's face it, we are, as we're recording this, we are a couple weeks out from the early signing period. So Kevin Wilson has to try as best as he can to, if not keep together whatever kind of recruiting class Tulsa has assembled to this point, but, you know, try to, you know, in terms of besides recruiting, he also has to start assembling a staff. It's it's a it's a it, the transfer portal has officially opened, so I have no idea what what that kind of what this news is going to do positively or negatively for Tulsa. So I would just think, even though Kevin Wilson would be a good soldier and say, yeah, you know, during like these hours of the day, I'm going to focus on Tulsa. I would rather have somebody who's a hundred percent focused on Ohio State football and wish Kevin Wilson nothing but the best and thank him for all of his efforts uh, since he came on board in 2017. Um, you know, but that's just, that's just my, my personal belief. I, again, you know, we're going to get the official word tomorrow. Uh, all, all signs leading to Kevin Wilson being officially named. Um, and then we'll get an understanding from Ryan day. Once that announcement has taken place. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. The, Good thing for Ohio State, and maybe it's not a good thing, uh, is that whereas a lot of offensive coordinators call the plays for their teams, that is something that Ryan Day does on offense. He calls the offensive plays. So much to our chagrin at times, um, he will not. It, it will not cost Ohio State the play caller. Uh, you'll still have the same continuity there. Uh, it just does give one pause because there's there's been. You know, when I said to many of our chagrin, there is the school of thought that many people share, including myself, that the head coach should not be the play caller because he's got to worry about a lot of other things without Kevin Wilson there. And I'm 
certainly someone else will take some of those responsibilities in the game. That's one more layer of things that will be on Ryan Day's mind during the game. So that could be, you know, you could have those lapses where, again, the play clock runs out and he doesn't call timeout or things like that, or the play is slow getting in. Uh, just with with the more things that you have to juggle, the easier it is for something to fall through the cracks. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Kevin Wilson, he was a good soldier for Ohio State. He did what he was asked to do. He he took it with you know he took it in stride that he wasn't calling the plays. I'm sure he had some input and some suggestions, but at the end of the day, it was Ryan Day's call to make. And this begs the question: really, is how do you replace an offensive coordinator that really wasn't an offensive coordinator in some respects? Uh, do you promote on paper, Brian Hartline, give him a raise and see about maybe he can grow into a play caller that, that Ryan day trusts, or do you bring in somebody from the outside knowing that it's going to be difficult to get somebody to take a position where they want to have that authority and they're not going to be given that authority. Really good questions. I'm not, I, I, my immediate thought as soon as I saw the news about Kevin Wilson was that, uh, you know, when it came to Brian Hartline is last week, Brian Hartline was the subject of speculation that he was going to be interviewing for Cincinnati. And then Brian Hartline put out a statement saying he was quite happy at Ohio state. Mm -hmm. So that's where my mind went to is that maybe those discussions were had about, Hey, you know, you could be next in line for the offensive coordinator position. I've also seen people make a very valid point that Brian Hartline, like you, you know, like just said, you know, like he he's never called plays like this is actually something where, you know, Ryan Day, you know, again, he's he is the play caller. But, you know, for Brian Hartline to, to come into what would be a heavily scrutinized position. This might be a little difficult. You know, other people have said, you know, why not, you know, Justin Fry? Because, you know, being like the run game coordinator, it might make more sense to, you know, have him. Uh, I've had other people suggest to me that, okay, well, now's the time to actually bring in an outside voice, uh, you know, to, to kind of shake things up. But to, I think to your point that will, will Ryan Day actually relinquish that control? So, it's going to be interesting to say the least in terms of what direction this is going to, what direction it's going to go. Unfortunately for Ohio state. And I say that term, unfortunately is that, you know, no matter what decision they go with Brian Hartline, Justin Fry outside person uh, for next year. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be under the microscope because of the way that Ryan day coached the latter portion of this year. And I think those those decisions are going to be under the microscope. I agree. I agree. They will definitely be under the microscope. But that, that's that's what happens when you coach at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> that's right. It comes with the territory. Uh, so um, CJ Stroud, Chip, uh, is a Heisman finalist again this year. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. Was at probably a few few weeks to go in the regular season was probably the favorite. I would agree with that. I think, you know, it, it's one of these things where, you know, we were talking earlier about Caleb Williams, you know, he's the pr presumptive favorite 
Uh, you know, I don't think that's any secret. Uh, you know, the fact that I never had any doubt that CJ Stroud would get a trip to New York City. I don't think his performance uh, last game against Michigan necessarily cost him the Heisman Trophy. I think it was more of the fact that, you know, like as you said at the onset of the podcast, when we were talking about USC that, you know, Caleb Williams was, I mean, he was truly, you know, kind of carrying that team and we kind of saw what happened, you know, with that injury. So I don't think the injury in- impacted him. Um, you know, as far as Stetson Bennett, I think he's a decent player, but I'm, I do not hold him in the same regard uh, as okay. Like a Caleb Williams or a CJ Stroud is being able to carry his team. Like I think he is in the, most polite sense of the, of the expression, you know, he's a game manager for that, for that Georgia team, you know, so the fact that, you know, he's, he's going uh, as well, um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, hooker from Tennessee when, when he, when he got hurt, I mean, like that's probably when, you know, like the, the, everything kind of was shaken up, you know, that, you know, like that injury to hooker, you know, like, okay. And like, all of a sudden it's like, all right, you know, like we don't really have a true front runner. And and I think Caleb Williams probably emerged as probably the prohibitive favorite probably after that point. Yeah. And I would, if I had a vote, I probably Williams would still be my vote probably. And and then I might put, might have Duggan second and Stroud third. Uh, I think that probably when you look at the Northwestern game, the win there cost CJ Stroud, some stats, uh, probably a whole lot of stats if we're being honest, but mm-hmm. uh, also the Maryland game, the passing wasn't crisp at the Mar- in the Maryland game. And I thought he did fine against Michigan for the most part. It was just uh, had some drops in that game and then some, some forced throws when they were trying to come back from behind that, that Cade Stover unhelpfully tipped to the other team, which would go on his, uh, his record. Um, but if you look at his numbers, really both Michigan games, if you didn't know the outcome of the game and just looked at, at the quarterback stats, you would think Ohio state won both of those games. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, and I, I wasn't, I didn't mean to neglect Max Duggan of, of TCU. I, I gained a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, like the heart uh, that he displayed in the comeback effort against Kansas state. I, especially, you know, like the, you could see the emotion mm-hmm. uh, post game, uh, you know, so I just, I, I kind of look at it like, okay, he definitely, you know, he plays uh, with a great deal of, of heart, but I don't see the same kind of talent that I see, you know, like with Caleb Williams or CJ Stroud, there's a clear delineation talent wise between those two, as well as, you know, Stetson Bennett and Max Duggan. I would, I would probably put Max Duggan third if I had to be, if, if I had to rank them in terms of athletic capability. Um, you know, I, but, um, you know, it's, it's rather unfortunate that, that, you know, CJ is, is being judged, you know, by the results of the the Michigan losses. Uh, and I agree with what you said a few moments ago about the Northwestern game, costing him some valuable stats. Um, you know, but he certainly has done nothing in his two years as a starter to be ashamed of. And he's certainly put his name, well throughout the Ohio state football record book. Yeah. And he, he may yet have uh, his best chapter to write. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if that's the case, but um, 
it, it's, you know, these are the four guys. They're all quarterbacks because, as you know, only quarterbacks can win the Heisman Trophy, oh. uh, except for maybe about once a decade they give it to a receiver <laughs> or a running back. But it's, yeah, it's it's really crazy. I mean, when you think about the, the best players in college football this year, I mean, uh, you know, we're talking about Georgia. They got one of them on their defensive line. Yes. So uh, you got that. I mean, and and what's also crazy, and I know he missed a couple games with injury, is that Bryce Young's not in that conversation because he was, again, probably the reason Alabama didn't have about four losses this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, I see the NFL draft projections of Bryce Young possibly being the first overall pick. Um, he certainly plays with, I mean, he's he's extremely talented. He's not that big of a guy. I mean, so that's kind of would be my concern if I was, you know, in terms of, all right, do we really want to invest in this young man as the quarterback of the future for our team? You know, because I I just, you know, the the durability issues would be, you know, <laughs> at the forefront of my mind uh, when watching him. But you, the, the talent is undeniable. Uh, you know, when you talked about, you know, how it's, a, you know, it always has to be a quarterback if, unless it's a running back or a wide receiver. You know, I know kind of going down uh, Ohio State memory lane here. I still say it, it was a, a travesty of the voting process that Orlando Pace didn't win it back in 1996 because, I mean, now he was a finalist and people will point that out. But the reality is, you know, Danny Werfel won the Heisman Trophy and nobody would would think, okay, yeah, we, you know, if if I have the opportunity to build a team around somebody, am I, you know, I'm going to take Danny Werfel. No disrespect to him. He put up a lot of great stats. I'll disrespect Orlando Pace. (laughs) Orlando Pace, Orlando Pace deserved the Heisman Trophy. That's why, you know, like the next year when I, I know it probably is blasphemy to a lot of Ohio State fans, I had no problem that Charles Woodson won it because he, to me, represented the fact that, I mean, offense, you know, his limited offensive capabilities, but the fact that, okay, as, I mean, as a true difference maker, when he was on the field, he, you know, not only was a phenomenal defensive back, uh, return specialist, but then, you know, the limited times offensively he showed, which is kind of why, you know, like, you know, like if Ohio State under Jim Trussell had used Chris Gamble more, maybe, he could have been a Heisman Trophy winner. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. So good luck to CJ. Have a nice trip to New York. Uh, eat some nice places and um, take get it a, in. Get have a, some fun. You're probably not get a, home. Get a slice. Yeah. yeah, get a slice, as Michael Scott would say, yeah. when you're when you're then in the city. Yeah. The last thing I have on my agenda for tonight to talk about is the transfer portal chip. And today was an insane day. Yes. For the transfer portal north of 700 players entered the portal today, 400 plus from the division one ranks. And I have, I had no idea we would see this many starting quarterbacks in the transfer portal as, as what we've seen. And that includes, you know, big tens, Graham Mertz. Uh, he here, you go off to college. You want to, you want to compete. You want to win the starting job and so many guys who did that are now starting over and they're going to go somewhere else and try to win the starting job, including um, uh, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma state. Who's a long, you know, multi-year starter there. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy didn't go anywhere. 
So he didn't lose his coach, but he's leaving. Uh, you had BC's Boston College's um, quarterback is transferring to Pitt. Uh, I don't know what it was about today. Was there a deadline? Did you have to get in today? I mean, it was nuts today. It absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, to your point about you know, like the seven hundred plus, you know, players, it it is mind boggling. I could only speculate that perhaps the rush by the players is the early signing period is in a couple weeks and there are, you know, a number of different places where um, new coaching staffs are being assembled, um, you know, and so the idea of, all right, well, before any of the players get to sign, the high school players get to sign their letters of intent, kind of, you know, kind of that, that game of musical chairs, so to speak, like, let me get a, a seat at, you know, one of these schools that are going to potentially offer me. That's just, I, I, again, I don't think it's a deadline. I, I, it, I'm sure that there is a deadline. I'm just not aware of what that would be. And that's the only thing I could think of is that these players figure by throwing my name out there, um, that all of these new coaches that are, you know, obviously trying to get a you know a positive impact on their on their new on their new team uh maybe you know like oh if they had recruited you know me as an assistant when they were at the, such and such a school they're going to remember me and and give me an opportunity to go play for them for like whatever remaining years of eligibility I have yeah now two of those names that went into the portal today uh Ohio State defensive backs Taraja Mitchell and Jalen Johnson um Jalen Johnson, not J.K. Johnson. Correct. The safety, not the corner. And that's why it kind of it was a curious thing to me. It's like your team, stay a couple more weeks and you might have a ring on your finger. Uh, but they, they're they in. And, uh, and now, hey, if Ohio State wins, no ring for you. Well, actually, the, the, only, the only correction about Taraja Mitchell that I would make is that in his statement – reading it over that he had talked it over with Ryan day. He has one year of eligibility and he, he actually is going to stay through uh, like he's, he's entered his name in the transfer portal, but he's going to stay for the remainder of the season. And, okay. you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the credit, you know, you know, like that, I think that we have to give, you know, certain, certain people, you know, Taraja Mitchell didn't play, nearly as much at linebacker that he probably thought he was going to, you know, when he was recruited and you know, right. coming in and, and, you know, last year, one of his teammates left, you know, Kayvon Pope left mid mid game, um, you know, and I mean, in a highly publicized huff, uh, you know, about Ohio state and um, you know, Taraj Mitchell, in my opinion, came back surprisingly. Like he he could have left last year and I wouldn't have been surprised. Like, okay, mm -hmm. he came back thinking, okay, probably new coaching staff, new lease on life. I'm gonna compete for one of those linebacker positions and never really did much of anything. I mean, like the most noteworthy thing he did this year, unfortunately, was uh, you know, a, a special teams mistake against Arkansas State. Uh, that, you know, like he he really didn't you know, contribute much at linebacker. 
So for him to stick around on behalf of the team, I'm, I'm guessing like maybe as a special teams participant, whatever it might be. And, you know, his name's out there in the transfer portal. Maybe he's going to go to a smaller school. Uh, you know, who's to say, you know, I mean, again, like you said, 700 something people, um, there's going to be a lot of teams looking to upgrade their talent. Uh, com- you know, like a case in point, um, I can't remember the young man's name, but there's a wide receiver from Kent State who had a good year by Kent State max standards that I saw some speculation that, okay, he's going to get offered by Penn State because he's originally from Pennsylvania and, you know, like that kind of thing, like so they can upgrade at that position. So there, it's going to be, it, it was dizzying to, to, to see like all the different names, you know, so some many. big names. Um. I, I agree with what you said earlier about the quarterbacks. That's that's surprising because there's only so many starting quarterback positions available. Yeah. Um, you know, so obviously there's a belief out there that, you know, you know, kind of metaphorically that the grass is greener somewhere else. Um, whether they can get that elusive starting position, we'll see. Well, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the statement from Taraja Mitchell because I I hadn't seen that. So thank you for. For bringing sure. that to the show, and and I think I misspoke. I think I called them both defensive backs, and and Taraj Mitchell was linebacker. So uh, I misspoke there. So my apologies for that. But uh, yeah, that's it's good to know. Um, I wonder how many of these other folks are doing that. You know, some of these guys are uh, these teams are off to bowl games, and you know, you it's kind of hard to play in a bowl game with a brand new starter. But if Ohio State would have not made the college football playoff, chances are Kyle McCord right. would have started that game. I agree. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, and, you know, I saw some people on social media speaking of, of the quarterbacks. Um, oh, you know, like Ryan Day liked this guy uh, and, you know, like, you know, about like Graham Mertz or, mm-hmm. you know, other quarterbacks. And I, we, you know, I, I could be mistaken, but I would be tremendously surprised if Ohio State went after any of the quarterbacks that, are in the transfer portal, not because that they're not talented. It's just that, you know, like, like you just said, like Kyle McCord, it certainly seems like this is his time to step up and if not win the starting position, be in line to, uh, you know, there's going to be a competition with Devin Brown uh, at, at quarterback. And I'm, I know that Ohio state is, is going to be trying to sign a quarterback. If it's a transfer portal quarterback, I would be surprised. I would think it would be a high school quarterback. Yeah, I, I could see Ohio State bringing in a transfer portal quarterback in the Chris Chuganoff mode, mold, uh, somebody who knows they're coming in to be a backup, to provide depth, to be a practice player, and to be ready just in case that there's injuries, but not somebody who's coming in to expect to compete for the starting position unless you get like a Justin Fields type. Right, right. It's just, I, I mean, Ohio State has, has Ryan Day has made statements along the lines of about being naturally concerned about the effect on team chemistry. And when you think about how you just, you know, Justin Fields is like probably like the, the greatest example, but, uh, you know, like, you know, Jonah Jackson a few years ago, Trey Sermon, uh, you know, uh, this year, Tanner McAllister, you know, like there, there are certain guys where it's like, okay, they come in and it's like, oh, okay. They, they're not only filling a need, but it, it makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, at that quarterback position, like you said, like Chris Chuganoff, 
excellent example by you of all right some he didn't come in with any grand uh delusions that oh like well i'm gonna i'm gonna be you know coming here to uh compete for the starting position it was you know to provide depth so yeah well it remains to be seen but like you said i mean it, it was mind-boggling like to see just the sheer volume of, of people who entered their their names in on day one you have to wonder how much of this is nil driven trying to get the bigger better nil deal well i i'm gonna i'm gonna just throw this out there is that uh you know when it came to ohio state you know when for nil the method behind their nil strategy is all right well we're going to reward people you know that, that have come here and have contributed and they don't try to use it as an inducement they they i'm sure that there are conversations being had by ryan day and the coaching staff about okay this is what we could do and this is how we could position you and all that kind of stuff but it's not with the idea of okay certain schools will you know like they'll just throw that money out there at the onset Whereas Ohio State, it's more of like, okay, this is what we will certainly work on, you know, on uh, getting this to you. Um, I think NIL is certainly playing a part in probably a lot of dissatisfied people like, oh, I I thought you know, I was, I was going to not only get this money, but I was going to get, you know, th- this playing time. And, you know, it, it probably, you're probably right, because just the sheer volume of, of players that entered their names and it, on day one of the transfer portal, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you don't have to say certain schools. You can just say Texas A&M. <laughs> we, we, we don't have to pull any punches. Jimbo's yeah. not, Jimbo's not going to get on us for, uh, for uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, all right, Chip, I don't have anything else uh, planned. Is there anything else uh, that's come up? No, to talk about. No, I think if anything, uh, you know, I think we're we're on the threshold of you know uh, not only we were talking about the transfer portal, but you know finding out uh, you know for example um, you know Kevin Wilson, you know Brian Hartline, like all all the the moving parts. So I think yeah, I mean we're at a good point I, to 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 end it and you know pick up next week and see what news has broken in the time since this dropped, as well as talk about. Uh, the other Big Ten bowl games besides Ohio State and Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, if you uh, want to ask us a question, you can do so. There's a couple ways to do that. One is to email us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. It's at silverbulletspod, but the silver doesn't have an E in it. So it's S-I-L-V-R bulletspod. That's the Twitter handles. We didn't uh, didn't get any questions this week, but we do uh, appreciate those who uh, reach out to us and want to get our thoughts on any particular uh, topic, especially with this game coming up. You, you know, we're going to be talking about Georgia. We're going to be uh, trying to probably get a guest that can speak to the Bulldogs' strengths and weaknesses and and that kind of thing. And um, you know, we've we've got an exciting few weeks, whereas uh, just a week ago, Chip, when you and I were doing this show, you know, we didn't know what we were going to be looking at. We didn't know how many people were going to opt out, how many people were going to declare for the draft early. 
how many people were going to enter the transfer portal or what kind of Ohio State team we would see in a major bowl game that was probably, I guess, going to be the Orange Bowl since there was a lot of talk about Ohio State has asked had asked the Rose Bowl not to invite them. So this conversation is going to be a lot different the next few weeks. Absolutely. I mean, it. It certainly, I mean, my, I mean, I, I joke about it, but it, it's true. It's just like the whole mindset of Ohio State football for the month of December improved considerably in the span of one week. You know, like thinking about, like you said, you know, like the, the probable opt outs of the bowl game, uh, you know, the, you know, early NFL draft declarations, all of that. Um, you know, the fact that everything changed uh, so so quickly in the span of one week. So now, you know, we have a lot to be encouraged about thinking about thinking how Ohio State is going to match up with Georgia, you know, and for a, a shot at a possible national championship. And a, a possible shot at a national championship revenge match against Michigan. I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because again, it's like, I know it's easy to, it, it's out there, but you know, we have to, we have to, we have to slay the giant that's in front of us. And, and it's, you know, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a very noteworthy achievement if it takes place. Yeah. Now that's what the team has to do. You and I don't have to concentrate on <laughs> you and I can look ahead if we want. Okay. <laughs> we, Good the point. Team can't do it, but we can. So good uh, point. Anyway, uh, yeah, this should be a fun December. And even if even if Ohio State ends up getting stuffed into a locker uh, by Georgia, well, you know, it's better to have a shot and have that happen than to watch a meaningless bowl game where Kyle McCord starting his first, uh, you know, first game on the big stage and who knows who's blocking for him. And uh, I mean, it it would not look like the two, 2022 Ohio State Buckeyes if the if the bowl game would have just happened instead of the college football playoff. Absolutely. All right, Chip, where can folks find you on the internet? All right. I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick. Last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. And look for an article that dropped on Athlon Sports, where I'm a contributor, five reasons why Ohio State will win the college football playoff. Uh, that dropped today. Uh, and look for an article on Land Grant Holy Land around 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Three things to watch. That is my usual time slot. So look for those uh, for those articles on the internet. All right. You can find me on Twitter as well at Mike36Fan. As mentioned, you can find the Silver Bullets podcast at Silver Bullets Pod with no E in silver. And you can find me on Land Grant Holy Land, where you will get at least one more grumpy old Buckeye column this season, possibly two, but Chip said I'm not allowed to get ahead of myself. So <laughs> you'll get at least one more. And uh, I'm not sure what I'll be writing about this coming week, but on Monday, the day that you and I are recording this, Chip, uh, I dropped a story that was ridiculously long. Uh, about how this is an opportunity for Ryan Day in this particular setup of the college football playoff to change the entire trajectory of his legacy at Ohio State because right now that the legacy is not great right now it's it's uh, it's 
closer to John Cooper than Urban Meyer at the moment, but he has a chance with these two particular games, if he can beat an SEC juggernaut and then perhaps slay the Michigan Dragon again, he has a chance to change that narrative completely. So uh, he also has a chance to to double down on that narrative and not do that. So uh, that's what my column was about this week. So you can go check that out at landgrantholyland.com. And I would say it was not ridiculously long. Okay. I, I would say it was well-written and... And it was minus any the, the usual amount of grumpiness that I've <laughs> grown. Right. I've grown to. I've grown accustomed. I think most of our most of most of our listeners and your readers have grown accustomed to. So yes. uh, there was there was far less grumpy grumpiness level than there normally is. So uh, and that'll probably be leading up to the game, and then uh, you know the return of the grumping will happen after the Georgia <laughs> game, and then hopefully. Hopefully I'll have another week to be grumpy about uh, in a good way uh, after that, but we'll see. So uh, Chip, it's going to be a little bit more of a pleasing December, knowing that we, we're not just kind of waiting for another piece of news to drop. That's bad. Another piece, another piece as we head into a bowl game that, you know, isn't satisfactory and no one wants to play in it, which is it it's, the antithesis of what you and I grew up with a major bowl game would have been something everybody wanted to play in. But now with the college football playoff, that has all changed and and we live in a different world now. So um, now we have something to be happy about. We don't have to listen to the counting crows sing about it being a long December, uh, although we can, uh, but it, it should be a fun December. We should never turn down an opportunity to listen to the counting crows period. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely correct. It's it's not going to be a long December. It's it's going to be an enjoyable December as it relates to Ohio State football. And I'm looking forward to seeing over the coming days and weeks what things present themselves for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah. And with this portal news and, and coaching changes and everything, we should have plenty to talk about next week. So that's good, too. Uh, we get to stay happy. Christmas is saved, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be back next week, Chip, to talk about whatever news there is to talk about. Uh, We'll start preparing for the Georgia Bulldogs. Of course, we will have things to talk about, like the other Big Ten Bowl matchups and and key opt-outs from those and key transfer portal uh, news from those other schools when they're about ready to go into their bowl games. So lots to talk about. I'm looking forward to it, and it should be fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And the only thing left for us to do, Chip, is what we always do at the end, which is to say, Go Bucks! Go Bucks!